with recovering from giving birth, it takes time. No matter how easy or difficult or smooth your birth was, your vagina stretched 245% its normal size. So there is a lot going on down there. Hi, I'm Amy Kiefer, a nurse, doula, and personal trainer. And I'm Crystal Howell, a women's health and orthopedic physical therapist. We're the co-founders of Expecting and Empowered, and we just so happen to be sisters. We built this business because we saw a huge gap between the information that women were given during pregnancy and postpartum and the information that they need. We're committed to helping close the gap so that women are better equipped to navigate these demanding and challenging years. Yes, we're both moms of three, so we know firsthand how many changes women go through physically, mentally, and emotionally because women aren't getting enough information to make informed decisions about their own health. It leaves mothers picking up the pieces afterwards. We need that to change. With our professional backgrounds, we're going to pull the curtain back on this season and give you the information you need to thrive. We're on a mission to change women's health. Let's do this. Okay, today we are going to do a deep dive into recovering after a vaginal birth. Now, I think a lot of women get information when they're pregnant about how to pack their hospital bag, what should go in their nursery, what breast pumps they should use, but we don't spend enough time talking about what you need to recover after you've had the baby. I've had three vaginal births myself, and so I know I have a lot of personal experience that can help new moms recover. My sister, Crystal, is a women's health physical therapist, so she has helped so many women recover from vaginal deliveries. So today, we're going to do a deep dive into everything you need to know to recover in your first two weeks, the acute healing period from a vaginal birth. So all three of my children were delivered via C-section, but as Amy said, I am a pelvic floor physical therapist and have worked with a lot of patients and a lot of lady parts in my physical therapy clinic who have gone through a vaginal birth. There is a lot going on down there that is often unspoken. It tends to be either a taboo topic or people just think that it's a normal part of pregnancy and postpartum. So we are so excited to give you some proper recovery tips today. Amy, I'd love to hear your perspective how day one vaginal delivery went for you and if it was different between your three boys. Yeah, so day one postpartum, this is another one of these subjects where it really is going to look different, and that depends on several factors. So as a nurse and a doula, I've been in on about a dozen vaginal deliveries, and I can tell you not all of them are created the same. So during my labor and delivery rotation, I saw a woman that pushed for hours and hours, and the swelling of her labia was so much so that they didn't know if the baby was was going to be able to fit out. For me, my pushing stages all went pretty fast, which actually had a different type of issue that we can talk about later. But I was under 15 minutes for each of the boys. So I did need a few stitches, but I never had like that intense swelling that I've seen on some women. 
I will say for all three of my boys, I did have unmedicated births. And the only reason I bring that up is because I didn't have any pain medication on board when they were doing the aftercares. So yes, they do put some lidocaine on your tissues when they're stitching it up, but I think I could feel it a lot more than someone else that might have had an epidural on board. I actually really hated the aftercares after all of my deliveries. And I felt like that part actually might have been the most painful part for me just because the active delivery portion was done. And then I was just lying there in bed and having to have all of these aftercares. So for me, day one postpartum, My pain was really pretty mild. Like I said, it's really important that if you are having pain that you take your ibuprofen or your Tylenol for soreness. Mine was pretty manageable. As a woman that had just given birth, I really wasn't worried about dressing pretty or looking good. So I would always get right into my postpartum sculpt and recovery leggings. I do know we have a coupon code for Bao Bay, which we will include in the show notes because it was really nice for me to have that compression. Sometimes my back did feel a little bit sore after delivery and I felt like that really helped. I would wear a tank top that just had really easy access since I did try to breastfeed each of my children. So that was kind of that. I did want to go back quick. I did take ibuprofen and Tylenol for me, like the most hard and sore thing were when I was breastfeeding, like my uterine contractions, they say it gets worse with every baby. That was my experience like that. I was very, very sore, especially after my third, when your uterus is trying to shrink down and go back to that normal size, which takes quite a bit of time. But that initial period when it's really trying to do that. As far as my pelvic floor, I was the most sore after my first son. We can have Crystal talk about this. I'm not sure if it's obviously that was the first time that tissue had ever stretched before. So I could feel more soreness. After my second and third, I really wasn't all that sore down below. And like I just said, I really, my after pains from the contractions were the worst part of my immediate day one postpartum. Yeah. And definitely with the pelvic floor soreness after the first, what they tend to show in the literature is when you do have tearing, the most likely baby that you're going to tear with is that first child. So there's just a strain on that collagen. And it's so crazy because your body really does have this amazing memory. Like it's been there before. It knows what to do. So there's physiological properties why those subsequent kids are easier for your pelvic floor. But really too, with recovering from giving birth, it takes time. No matter how easy or difficult or smooth your birth was, your vagina stretched 245% its normal size. So there is a lot going on down there. For most women, it takes six to eight weeks to recover, but others can really take longer depending on if there was any tearing or tailbone injuries that occurred during labor and delivery, any aches and pains from labor and delivery. It's not that we can expedite this process or really like push through or speed through it because it is a cellular process and it is going to take time to heal down there. 
Oh yeah, for sure. And it's like the more you know. So especially for my first two, we didn't have our labor and delivery course yet. I hadn't known like what would be the most optimal positions to push in when I had my kids. And I will say too, you know, you kind of have a primal instinct takeover sometimes. So for me, I felt most powerful in like a semi squat position. And then, you know, here Crystal is our friend Natalie was giving me feedback about how stretched the pelvic floor would be in that position. But I think as a delivering person, it's like, you kind of have to figure out the balance between the education piece. And then like, at that point, I'm 10 centimeters, I'm about to have a baby, you got to figure out what makes sense to push because my friend too, that I just was in her delivery as her doula, you know, we tried the optimal position, she hated it, you know, so she's not going to be able to deliver in that position. So what is the best for those people that are unmedicated? What is the position that would be optimal for their pelvic floor when they are in that pushing part? So research shows quadruped is the best position, hands and knees. And then if you do have an epidural on board, it's like a super high amount, like three out of four people will be delivering on their back. But really what we should do is I always call it like free the sacrum. Our tailbone has to be able to get out of the way. Or if we are laying on our back, we have to push baby up and over that tailbone. It's like pushing a double stroller up a hill, right? And so that's putting more pressure on our pelvic floor as we push. So if you had an epidural on board, there's different positions like such as side lying. So you could have a peanut ball and side lying. And again, that's kind of not the standard, but that does show that people tear less in that position. Sometimes it's just a little bit harder for the medical team to see everything that's going on. So you might get a little pushback. You could also too roll up a towel and put it under one side of your sacrum. So that's going to allow you to have some give in that area if you don't want to go full sideline. And you're right, the body is amazing and things tend to be so intuitive, which is also kind of cool because once we were doing the labor and delivery course, the education piece. So as you're laboring, your body, your baby has to be able to fit through the pelvis. As it enters different sections of the pelvis, there's different parts of the pelvis that are widest at certain points. So as we're pushing, we really want to open up the outlet, which is the very bottom, the pelvic floor area, the last kind of area that the baby is exiting. And to do that, that's knees in, ankles out. So I feel like if you know these kind of little tips or nuances, I also feel like there'd be less tissue irritation sometimes as babies coming out because a lot of moms that we'll see in the clinic, they're like, oh, my baby was like stuck in this one part for this a little bit of time. But they're like, my right butt bone is so sore. I like can't take it. But just knowing different options and how to work with your, your body and your baby and everybody's babies come out in different ways. So every birth is a different experience. But just having the education and your intuitive movement. Oh my gosh. Like no one was going to get me off of the toilet on my first birth for nothing. Like I was, (laughs) I had Max right above a toilet. Drew and I still joke about it. At the time I was kind of sensitive to his jokes, but I had Max right above the toilet. It was emotional safety. Like for me to be right there for whatever reason, like I locked into it. I was not leaving that toilet for anything. So we do want to get into the recovery piece now. And we know that you just had a little one. 
It can be hard to properly rest and it can also be hard to not overdo it. Like there's some of us that really like to walk right away. Like we just, we have other kids at home. So what is your best advice for resting with a new baby in the house? Yes. So there's tons of stuff that we can even do before baby comes to prep our house to make our recovery process easier. So when you change your baby, there's these little razors that you can put on your changing table to rise it so that we're not always bending forward, placing more pressure on the pelvic floor. We could also set up a feeding station where everything's in one spot. There's not a lot of moving back and forth to be able to breastfeed the kid. And then also to setting ourselves up for success down there. So you can create padsicles, throw those in the freezer so they're ready to go when you get home. They're really super simple, easy to make. You take a large organic pad with natural ingredients like cotton in it. And what we want to do is saturate that pad with witch hazel. Now, it has to be alcohol-free. Trust me, you don't want to put that on your lady bits after labor and delivery. So you just wrap those up, throw those in a Ziploc peg, and they're ready for you to go afterwards. Earthwise is a great brand that has alcohol-free witch hazel. And then when it comes to moving and moving around the house, it's kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. We don't want to do too much, which some of our personalities have the tendency to do. And we don't want to not be doing anything because this is really going to help with blood circulation and healing. But again, if we do too much, there have been some patients that come into the clinic and they have what's called keloiding scars on their bottom. So that means that more tissue is laid down because we're overdoing it in that area. So, and a way that that can happen is too much walking, which seems like a pretty low level task early on. So the kind of the rule of thumb is those first few weeks. So the first two weeks, we're staying around the house, not walking like super far. And again, with anything, we're slowly progressing that walking back up so that we're not overdoing it. So in that postpartum period, I like to try like a two or a three minute walk. And if that bothered you, then the next day you're doing a two or three minute walk again or a little bit less. And then we're going to slowly titrate that walking back up. So not to irritate that area. It's so wild too, because especially after my second and third, I really, like I said, like I had such minimal soreness that I felt like I could walk much longer but still, like, even if you can't feel soreness, it's like that area is still healing and you can't do too much. Yes. Tissue healing takes time. The first acute phase is really in that first two weeks, but it takes six weeks to really heal that first acute phase. Like I said, you can't expedite the tissue. It's like a cellular process. So we don't want to be overdoing it. And some signs that we're overdoing it in that postpartum period is if you see an increase in bleeding or let's say like you did... Uh, run some errands and then we're pretty sore that night. That probably was too much. So just being really aware of that because some of us have just learned to power through that. So just making sure that we're able to kind of hit the break if we need to. I did want to go back to the icing point for a bit. So I know when I was in the hospital, they sent me home with a bunch of ice that I could kind of crack and then put down there. How often would you recommend people are icing even if they don't feel that soreness? 
this is one of those things I'm like super passionate about because I feel like it helps control inflammation. And it's me and the Gynecological Society of Canada because they tell you to ice consistently for the first 24 hours after birth. And then after that, we want to still be icing every hour, like 10, 15 minutes. And we can either do those through those padsicles sometimes because those will freeze and have a little ice in there. You also want to be doing the ice pack sometimes too. So you can put that in your pad or like right into your underwear or compression pants. And of course, we want to be wrapping that in a paper towel and not putting it directly onto your skin. So Lori Ann is one of the ones that helps create our graphics. And when she was in the PT clinic, she came back and was like saying how well things went. And then was like, I didn't take your icing recommendations, but then regretted it later. And I was like, Lorianne, we told you. So now we're telling you on this podcast, those I would take really seriously for the first four weeks, even, even if you're not having pain. So it doesn't have to be as frequent after the first two weeks. So maybe four times a day for 15 minutes, but making sure that you're sticking that ice pack down there. Okay. So ice probably more than you have before. If it's your first time, just ice a lot, like we're saying. So one thing that we talk about a lot is initial healing exercises that you can do in the beginning of the postpartum period. They actually appear in our guide. And I think that people get really confused with the word exercise because we all know that, you know, you're supposed to wait till six weeks. But what we're doing is really actually doing things that will help us heal. So I want to talk through those. Yes, it is so important that we focus on rest, but we also really need to focus on reconnecting with our body. If you think about it, our bodies are so used to being pregnant and supporting this fetus. And that fetus often creates core stability. It changes our center of gravity. It changes how we move, how we balance. So we want to make sure that we kind of hit this control alt delete button, just like you would on a computer so that our brain and our body reconnect. This can help us recover so much physically. And let's be serious. You're doing all these very physical tasks. So we want that reconnection to happen so that we're doing them in a better, more efficient, healthier movement pattern because this is going to help us heal. And now a quick break to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Expecting and Empowered. Have you ever wondered, is this workout safe to do after having a baby? What should I do to recover in postpartum? If you have, you're not alone. And the good news is we've got a program for you. Whether you've had a cesarean or vaginal birth, our app is designed to meet you exactly where you are and help you to restore your pelvic floor core and rebuild strength after having a baby. One of our app users said, I worked out religiously prior to pregnancy and felt so lost postpartum until I found these ladies. The workouts are just the right length to be able to fit it into a busy day. C-section recovery is no joke and they've built the guide from experience and expertise. You can sign up for the app now for 25% off with the promo code podcast 25. This brings the yearly subscription down to just $10 a month. And this includes every app program, including strength training, yoga, core, and running. Visit app.expectingandempowered.com to sign up today. And we'll see you guys in the app. 
So to wake up those areas, we want to be doing really specific movements. So for vaginal births, what I'm really looking to do is first reconnect with that breath. With a diaphragmatic breath, I'm thinking about a 360 degree breath. So when we breathe, we breathe through all sides of the ribs, the front of our ribs, the back and the two sides. So like as our ribs, the bottom ribs come down into the stomach, this is the area we're really focusing on. We don't want belly breathing per se, but we also want to pull the breath all the way down to the pelvic floor. So when we do that, when we inhale and pull the breath all the way down, and I like to think about it almost visually as like that breath going down my spine and like especially towards the back of the pelvic floor, most people will have tearing towards the back. So this is the area we want to like let go, release a little bit as these new cells are developing. So to do that, we're taking nice deep inhale all the way down and exhaling from the bottom up. This is really going to help reconnect our pelvic floor to our diaphragm, which help control pressure, stability, help support our pelvic organs. I feel like sometimes in vaginal births, moms really disconnect this area because it can be really sore. They can they can have problems down there. So it's almost easier for our body to like, oh my gosh, my rotator costs really bad. I'm literally not going to use my arm. And it's the same thing that happens to the pelvic floor. So really getting that breath work on really early in pregnancy can be so helpful. Another movement pattern that you're going to see a lot more in our postpartum recovery guard with vaginal births is hip movement. Our hips will make up for some of the deficit that our pelvic floor is going through as it recovers. So we really want to have proper hip range of motion and then eventually strength. So we're rolling our hips side to side. Like if I bend my knees and my legs are going side to side like a rainbow, then I'm working on hip external and internal rotation, which again, if my hips takes up some of the slack while a guy's down, we're not like asking our pelvic floor like, well, well, she's down to do a bunch of extra work. So we really want to start some of these restorative movement patterns. And I don't know what the right word is. They're not exercises. You're doing them anyways. It's like whether you're doing them really well or we're just kind of scraping by. Mm, so good. And so important. They're subtle. It's not like you're, you know, hitting a bicep curl, but it's important. I think that women, the way that we were raised, sometimes we really think that the only productive thing is like when you can feel a burn or you're sweating or something. And it's like, that's not what this is about. This is about recovery. It's not going to be this big burner, but it's really going to help put you on the right track. All of them you can do with a baby on your chest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so point number two, something that we need to talk about next is healing your perineum. So one really important part of healing is to make sure that your perineum is kept clean. This is definitely worth our time and attention, even during the busy newborn season. I remember every time I went to the bathroom in the hospital, but also at home, it was at least a five minute process because by the time that I was able to, you know, take my time, make sure that everything was clean, it did take a while, but I know it was so worth it. So Crystal, I want to know what are your best suggestions for keeping this area clean? Yes. So first of all, your perineum is a space between your anus and your vulva. That, like I said, tends to be the area that has the tearing or kind of like the most stretch to that area because it is such a dense area. So it has a lot of moving to do during delivery. 
So what we want to do to keep this area clean is number one, we want to have like a little station set up where all your stuff is there, easy to use and accessible. So one of the things that is in that station is a peri bottle. And with that peri bottle, we want to take warm water and we're going to spray it over that entire area. Now, vaginas are like snowflakes. Each one is unique and individual. Some of us have big labia lips. Others have little baby labia lips. But we want to make sure that we're spreading the labia and squirting in between, around, especially by the anus in this area, even when you pee. Because that increases the acidity level. So it's harder for this already sore area to recover if it's not fully cleaned off. Then we don't want to be excessive wipers. I like when people take toilet paper and put that around their fingers and then they dab, 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 dab. There is no wiping involved. And if you're really sore down there, a little trick too would be to use a blow dryer, of course, on the very cool setting to make that area all the way dry so that you didn't even have to touch that area. One tip that I forgot with the peri bottles that actually one of the people off of Instagram told us was to use an insulated water bottle in the bathroom. So it kind of is a pain whether you're like warming up breast milk and or with the peri bottle, you have to like wait till the water gets warm to put warm water in that bottle and just let it sit in your bathroom. That way, each time you need to refill it, it's super easy to refill. So the other thing that might be in that basket is... Some spray. So this spray, again, we're spraying over the area after we've cleaned it off and it's nice and dry. So one of the things that is a little bit tricky about this perineal spray is sometimes it can give us enough relief that we're overdoing or doing too much stuff. So we just want to kind of spray, spray, and then no more spray. Like So not putting too much on. And another thing that can really help soothe this area that won't be in the basket, but is just taking sits baths. You can take regular baths. There's also things that connect to the toilet, which again, Amy is like loves hanging out by the toilet. (laughs) Yeah, it's my favorite place. (laughs) So it is really convenient not to be weird, but you just set it in the toilet and you can kind of soak these areas. And again, just think about taking a normal bath. It helps soothe the tissues and it helps that recovery process and decreases that swelling. Yeah, I know. I've had a couple friends that were so swollen afterwards, and they said that sits baths are like heaven on earth for them. So that is one that like do not underestimate that. You know, when Crystal's talking about how to keep the perineum clean, I will say like, it does take five minutes or something like that, but set yourself up, make yourself a routine, make sure that it happens. Don't skimp in this area because it really is important to your healing. And you want to make sure that you have yourself situated before you're going to be able to, to do everything you need to do to be a mom. So I do know, I, I can remember one of my friends, she had the most sore bottom. She could not sit. She had to like use, I don't know, what do you call those little things? Like a cushion They're like to the sit donut. On. Yeah. Yes, a donut to sit on. What are your suggestions for women that do come out of this experience with a very, very sore bottom? Yeah, it's really tricky, right? Because we're telling you guys to rest. And a lot of times you would think, okay, like 
with newborn, feeding, sitting. So sometimes a suggestion is honestly to get off your bottom. So if you are laying on the couch, you can literally lay down. The other thing that I like on a couch is like the pseudo sitting position. So you take a bunch of pillows behind you and kind of put yourself at an angle So your back is fully supported, but you can just recline backwards, almost like you are in a recliner. And that can be helpful to take pressure right off like your sits bones. But that would not be helpful in somebody that had a tailbone injury during birth. If somebody does have a tailbone injury during birth, a suggestion would be to kind of sit all the way back in the chair and then almost to lean forward so there was less pressure on that tailbone. And again, that is a situation. Or if you have just a lot of soreness, that donut cushion is another really simple idea. Okay, so for me, I gave birth to my first two children before we had our postpartum guide come out. So really, I just tried to listen to what my body needed, and that worked for the most part. I will say, remembering back to that season, interestingly enough for me, in the first two weeks, the thing that would get the most sore was actually like my neck and upper back from breastfeeding. So I want to know what's a good approach when it comes to what people can be doing right after they have a baby and some of the ideas that you have for them kind of not having these issues. So definitely that is a great point. Our body usually tells us what we need, but there also too, there's all these compensation patterns that we come up with during pregnancy that we know are also going to show up in that postpartum period. So the upper back is one of those ones that whether it's a C-section or a vaginal delivery, there can be a tremendous amount of soreness, even just from holding baby, whether you're bottle feeding, breastfeeding them, that's a lot of time spent in that position. So actually, my suggestion for that is, again, in the third trimester, it takes four to six weeks to build strength. So really working on your upper body strength during that time. And if you're like, girl, I didn't do that. I'm listening to your two-week recovery thing right now. Things you can do now. Natalie, our friend that I used to work with, when I had my first, I had intense upper back pain and it was like literally to the point of burning where I didn't want to breastfeed. And she worked on it and it would feel better for like 20 minutes and then it would be sore again. So really what needed to happen in that situation was I needed to gain some upper back strength. So even having a resistance band right by where you're nursing and doing some pull-aparts, some diagonal pull-aparts. So I'm getting that like scapular or shoulder blade activation so that I'm not always stuck forward in that hunched over position. Obviously, setup is key, but if you don't have the strength, sometimes you can't fake it and that area is going to get really sore. So with vaginal birth, some areas that you're also going to feel a little bit soreness or discomfort in could be your groin muscles or the adductors. And we want to start incorporating this again to like make up for the pelvic floor being sore. So a good exercise to do would be to squeeze a ball inward and like kind of like lightly pulling up the pelvic floor in that. So again, breathing, laying on my back, the ball's in between my legs, my knees are bent to a 90-90 position. I squeeze in on the ball, pull up and in, so I'm getting everything working. And then I exhale, let everything go and come back down. So these small movements are really gonna add up so we can do dynamic stuff down the road. 
Okay, so I think that something that we really should talk about, and you can kind of review everything you just said, because the answer to this, I feel like does that really well, is how do we know if we're doing too much? So the number one thing is any increase in soreness, right? So if you go through the day in those initial postpartum acute period, you can tell the days that you overdid it. You will know. And again, it's like, okay, rest, be up a bunch of times at night, and then we're going to rinse and repeat this. So if you're really feeling soreness, you really need to take stock of like, what did I do that is too much? And then also, we want to make sure that we're not seeing an increase in that bleeding. When you're bleeding more, that's a sign that you're doing too much. And again, your body can't process all of that at once. And then two, if you do have soreness down there, sometimes that's a sign that your body is almost repairing the damaged area too well. And sometimes this happens because we overstress the scar tissue down there. And again, what that's called is like that granulation tissue, which is not healthy cell healing in that area. But you're going to notice like, Obviously, there's initial soreness, but sometimes that soreness down there could wind up to more bleeding or pain with intercourse. Obviously, at two weeks, you're not having intercourse, I wouldn't think. But later down the road, you can have pain or soreness with intercourse, pelvic exams, that tampon. So sometimes, too, people don't realize that they've developed too much tissue. So really just checking in with your physician if you are experiencing soreness for more than four to six weeks down in that area. It should be slowly kind of going down. I remember that after my second tray, I went for this walk and I was probably like two weeks postpartum. I knew I was kind of pushing it on the length of the walk, but it felt so good to be out of the house. I really wasn't having any symptoms. The symptoms sometimes don't show up that day or during that walk. It was the next day. Like my pelvic floor just felt way more sore. And that was when I was like, okay, I was not ready for that. So sometimes you can't go by how you feel because a lot of the symptoms can actually come by the next day. So one thing that we definitely wanted to touch on when it comes to vaginal births and that acute recovery is pooping. Like we hear all the time, like people are terrified to take their first poop. What tips do you have to try to make this a little bit less hard? And that's exactly literally what we're trying to do. <laughs> so when we're thinking about poop, we want to think about the consistency that that is. So there's a lot of different things that we can do. We can hydrate. We can have good nutrition that has less anti-inflammatory. So things that are going to make it more inflammatory are like sugar, dairy, um, processed foods. And we can also take a stool softener. Magnesium is a great supplement to take during this period just to keep our poopies nice and soft. So we want that like almost like squishy banana consistency so that we're not having to push out hard poop. Also, again, when we're talking about taking time in the bathroom, proper setup is key here. So using a squatty potty, if you don't have one, you can just take books and put them in a pile and then they stay in the bathroom. So you don't have to reset yourself up every single time you're in the bathroom. And in a world that we live in with distractions, with our phones, we want to leave the phones out of the bathroom. Really think about inhaling all the way down. This is going to help relax our pelvic floor and then not pushing super hard downwards. We're really just lightly, lightly contracting our abdominals if we need to. 
and exhaling at the same time. And then two, if you're really having trouble relaxing or you do have a little bit increase in the consistency of your stool, like it is harder to push, putting peppermint oil in the toilet can help your nervous system kind of like feel calm and relaxed and help with that. You guys, I just have to say pooping is like I am the queen of relaxing. Like I have to have my squatty potty. I I breathe very deeply. Like it's just this whole process because it's almost like the more you know. So I don't think that many people are comfortable talking about pooping. So I didn't get the memo that that was like the way that it was supposed to be like a relaxed event. I will say after my third, I had an internal hemorrhoid. And that was the most painful thing I think I have experienced. Like pooping was so painful. Like a lot of these tips were still so good, but I just, for anyone that has gone through that, it is so hard. And then too, with a vaginal birth, we want to be splinting, especially in the first two weeks. So what that looks like is you're just taking toilet paper, putting it around your fingers, and then I'm taking two fingers and I'm supporting the front part area. So like that vaginal area, I'm taking my fingers and I'm just lightly pressing up on that area so that as I defecate down, the tissue is going through less range of motion. So there's less pressure on the area that's sore or that's torn. That splinting can be so helpful for vaginal recovery. Is that even more important if you do tear? Yes, because you're like almost protecting that area, right? I've heard when women say they have like the second, third degree tears, like it is really scary for them to poop. Well, for sure the fourth one. because Yeah, I just didn't know how like the fourth degree tear works. It is tough because that one goes through the anal sphincter. Sphincters need to stay intact. So that's like a whole separate podcast episode, but it is a unique recovery in and of Mm -hmm. itself. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that sounds so hard. So we do want to get into the fourth thing that we wanted to cover, and that is nutrition. We are not experts in this area, but we do know a lot of experts in this area. Brooke from The Mama Well was on episode two, and she talked a lot about postpartum nutrition. I know I learned so much from that episode, so definitely head there for a couple key takeaways. But Crystal, what do you have to tell us about nutrition and how it helps us heal in the postpartum period? Yes, just like movement, I know this can be such a pivotal part of recovery. So this was my phone a friend moment where I was like, Brooke, give me the deets. I feel like this is just something that people aren't getting information about and need to know because again, it all goes back to like, see, my exercise physiology teacher would be so proud, but it's all about cellular healing. So in general, Brooke says that you need more of everything. So caloric needs are higher because your body's healing. You could also be nursing or pumping. So in those first 30 to 60 days, they're even higher than when you were pregnant. This helps speed up your recovery. Making sure that we're not dipping below 2000 calories per day is important. And how you're getting those calories is important as well. So protein needs increase during that time. Iron needs are higher because of all the blood loss during labor and delivery. Vitamin D is an important part of preventing and helping with postpartum 
depression symptoms and our immune system. Vitamin K helps with clotting. So basically healing the bottom and that area and your uterus, which is lots of veggies, kale, spinach, and then DHA, you're going to continue to take even in that postpartum period because that helps reduce inflammation. And again, there's lots of studies on how that decreases the symptoms of postpartum depression. And again, it's just one piece of the puzzle to some of these more complex issues, but we just want to throw it out there because we know that nutrition needs are so hard to meet because you are taking care of a newborn. So definitely refer back to that episode that we did with Brooke. But those are some key takeaways. Yeah, we're going to link her Nourished After Baby course in our show notes because you can use the code EXPECTING30 when you check out. We are affiliates of her because we love her so much. And that gives you $30 off her course. I want to say nutritionally after my three vaginal births, I was like ravenous. Like I was so hungry. I was so thirsty. And I really did listen to my body. So I think... An important point for women is like, don't judge the amount of food you're eating if you're really, really hungry, because it's like your body literally needs it to heal. And if you're making breast milk, like it's a whole thing. So I was having 2 a.m. snacks because my body was so physically hungry. And that was my experience with that. So you can't compare it to other parts of your life when you're all of a sudden eating more. It's just this season where you need the nourishment. So if you guys did find this episode helpful, we have so much more. Of course, we love giving you free content on Instagram. We also have downloads about things that you need in the postpartum period. And of course, all of this stuff lives on our postpartum guide in the Expecting an Empowered app. And it gives you the step-by-step because we all know as busy moms, one less thing to think about is an amazing feeling. It literally shows you the key movements you need to get back to feeling your best self. And also be sure to listen to our next podcast in two weeks. See you guys then.